Mickey Bird dolls. Did you guys like the bird dolls? Pretty likable, aren't they? Bless you guys. Shabbat Shalom. Good morning. Um, I get to talk about Joseph. This Torah portion starts off by saying that when Joseph was 17 years old, he was a youth. Yep. Ten years of working with 17-year-olds has taught me that they're still youth. <laughs> at 17, you're dreaming about what's to come. And at 17, God gave Joseph a, Joseph a couple dreams about his future. In his youthfulness, he shared those dreams, and the text says that it didn't go very well for him. Today, I want to suggest to you that like Joseph, God has given you a dream. A dream about how you'd like to make a difference. A dream that feels like a destiny. Now maybe you sit here with dreams in your past, or maybe you sit here with dreams in your future. Maybe you know the dreams can cause problems, or maybe you have no idea yet. But the text says that Joseph dreamed a dream. But the thing about dreams is that they aren't textbooks. They aren't even maps. And they surely aren't instruction manuals. These dreams that we have, sometimes they actually feel more like mirages. And there's a pattern that stands firm in our scriptures. The giver of dreams is also the tester of dreams. But he's the one that put them in us, right? So how's that fair? Shortly after Joseph's dreams, he was crying out in a pit while his brothers sat around him eating their lunches enjoying his pain. His brothers had fallen prey to the jealousy of Cain. They sat there dreaming how to get rid of the dreamer in their lives. All they knew was that they had no multicolored tunic on their backs, and that their father didn't look at them the way he looked at Joseph. It ripped at them, so they ripped at Joseph. Who does he think he is? As they mumbled in their hearts, the offense grew with every word until they couldn't even see straight. They sold the dreamer of dreams, hoping that this would rid them of their misery. So the 17-year-old dreamer fell into Potiphar's house. You think he felt sorry for himself? You think that the, he felt the dreams might just be a cruel trick? He sat on the cold floor and cried himself to sleep a couple nights. Maybe he even licked his own wounds. Nobody around him cared about how he felt. Nobody asked him about his dreams or what he wanted to do with his life. You want to know why? Oh, right, because he's a slave. He was unseen until someone had a dirty job to be done. But we see that Joseph had a different spirit within him. He still knew the love that his father had for him. So there he was, a slave in Potiphar's house, discarded by his brothers, holding some weird dreams in his left hand and the reality of his life in his right hand and that's when Joseph made a choice he made a choice to not feel sorry for himself he made a choice to discard pity like a bad cloak and to get up off that floor and start cleaning Potiphar's floors he made a choice to sweep Potiphar's courtyard because this young man knew he had a choice and with his little choices came a warmth there came a sense that someone was with him and that he wasn't actually that overlooked. He avodahed his way through it without even having the theology for it. Joseph didn't know that he was created for good works before the foundation of the world. He just made a choice to not give up. 
And the text says that Adonai was with him, that he blessed Potiphar's house because Joseph was in it. So the young man found, found God as a slave. What percentage of our lives, my friends, is mundane? What percentage of our day-to-day is tedious and menial? The kind of stuff that makes you stare at the clock and ask God, please speed it up. The kind where nobody sees and nobody understands what you actually do every day. It almost kind of seems silly, doesn't it? Because we all know that God is in our worship times and in our study times and in our prayer times. And when we listen or preach the word or evangelize someone on the street or lay our hands on the sick and cast out demons, we know God's there and the kingdom has come. These are the kinds of things we dream about, right? But did anybody ever have a dream about changing some diapers or homeschooling some kids or driving to your kids to just one more ballet practice or soccer practice (laughs) or working with some annoying colleagues or paying another bill? What does God think about all these responsibilities that fill our days? It's an important question. I remember someone in college saying something about Plato's ideal king. Plato called him the philosopher king. A man who thought deeply and lived among the poor for a long time before he ever ruled a nation. A man who ruled his own desires and would never forget what it means to be a peasant. I'd say that Plato might have been onto something. Because the God who appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob took on flesh and lived for 30 years, 30 unseen years as a stonemason before he ever started roaming the Galilee, preaching, teaching, healing, and delivering. Anybody ever wondered if it was hard for him to chip rocks and plain wood all day? There ain't nothing dreamy about it. So in this season, let's not forget that our God came as a man. And lived among us. I think sometimes we're tempted to believe that the fully God part wipes out the fully man part. I think sometimes we're tempted to believe that the fully, as excuse me, as he carried wood around, he forever put his stamp of approval on hard, laborious work. His 30 years of life in the back hills and nowheresville beckons us to believe that what might seem counterintuitive. God honors waking up on Monday mornings. He's okay with your coffee, Keith Nelson, because he likes that you're coaching kids in more than just soccer. He sees your work, Brandy, and so does this whole community. He loves your labor, Fran, and the details you carry so that others don't have to. So a few years back, I felt like the Lord gave me a promise. I was burnt out working with 17-year-olds. Couldn't even do it anymore, I felt like. It was early one morning before work, and he told me, you have two more years of teaching, and you'll get to do something else. I was thrilled. Two years couldn't come soon enough. I was looking around every corner wondering what my next adventure was going to be. About a year and a half into these two years, I was worshiping the Lord with you guys one Shabbat morning, and his presence was thick among us. Sam was rocking and rolling, and that's when it happened. He told me he likes what I do for a living, and he asked me if I would give him back that promise. 
He told me, I know it's a messy job. I know you get dirty doing it, and I don't even care. He said, I like what you do for a living. Would you give me back that promise? If we happen to be reading the Torah portion where Abraham binds his son Isaac to the altar, and I knew what was going on. But hearing that he saw what I'm doing and likes what I'm doing changed everything for me. So can I share with you guys what the father shared with me? He likes what you do for a living too. Your weekly work is your weekly offering, my friends. It's your worship. And I think the Father dreams about a people that define worship as more than just singing and praying. The singing and praying part that we do every Shabbat is essential. It's the time when we appear before him and we offer him the work we've done all week. The good, maybe the not so good. This life is dirty. And I promise you, he knows that. He knows we get dirty, but we shouldn't feel ashamed of the dirt on our feet. We should wash it off one another's feet. So from Shabbat to Shabbat, let's stand before our God and give him our weeks. Let's do the work he's given us to do with thankfulness. And let's do it knowing that like Joseph, he sees us and he's with us. He's definitely going to help us. Amen.